Welcome. You've splash landed into this Prosecco-laden podcast, straight into the woo-woo pool with the crew of OMG. We're just a simple group of tragically imperfect and highly empathic BFFs, exploring a wide range of atypical topics with humor, grace, and curiosity. This is OMG. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are in kind of a silly mood, which is odd because we have a very interesting topic. Our topic is actually grief, and it's about making this subject more approachable. We've got a special guest. Her name is Ellie McFalls. She's an advanced grief recovery specialist with the Grief Recovery Program, veteran, hypnotherapist, and emotional freedom or EFT tapping specialist person, I guess you could call it. So that's what we're about tonight. We're going to keep it lighthearted, but very informative. You are listening to OMG, the podcast. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back. Yeah. So welcome, Ellie. We're very excited to have you at our table. Yes, we are. And I know that Rosalie, Camille, and myself have all had the pleasure of working with you. So we can share our experiences as well as hearing about what the grief recovery method is, how it works, how it helps people. And so let's dive into it. I know because I'm I'm super, super interested because I've been I've been feeling for a while that this is a topic that I personally need to do some work on. So I'm super interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Cool. So let's rip the band-aid off and do get started. It. Let's do it. Okay. Glad so I've had a little prosecco. Little numbing going on over here. Because grief and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. So starting out with just a general question. What is grief? Grief is anything that you wanted different, better, or more. Think about that. Anything in your life that you it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. I wish that could have been better. Why mm-hmm. didn't I have more of that? And we suffer over the loss of that. Mm-hmm. If it could have only been that way. But most of the time, we don't look at that as grief or loss. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. We, but it gets stuck in our body that way. And grief is compound. Grief compounds. So the more that happens, the more you feel. And so many people think grief is about losing a loved one, period. But there's so much more to it. Um, Can you give us a few examples where grief just pours out of people and they might not recognize it as such? Sure. Divorce. That's probably a big one. Of course, the number one one, the number one one, (laughs) the the number one (laughs) is one, ohm, is death, of course, of a relationship, of a person, mm-hmm. of a pet, yeah, yes. which is really important. Because grief is emotional and not intellectual, when your heart is broken, it doesn't know where it comes from. Right. It could come from a pet, or it could come from a relationship, or it could come from loss of health. It could come from a diagnosis. It could come from moving, from being an empty nester. Mm-hmm. You know, the minute they leave the house, it's kind of like, Ugh! Now what do we do? Um, well, and, and, that, and that's what you hear a lot of times is, 
my head knows such and such and this and that, but my heart isn't ready to right. go there. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, loss of youth. No, I just had a, birthday, uh-huh. a kind of important birthday and I'm going, oh my, this is what it feels like to be this old. To us, Brenda Sue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that that hit home. But yeah, it does. For sure. yeah. That hit a nerve with all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except to for be, the young people. Except yeah. for our yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, know, I know you're going to be like, oh, there are a lot of people at home scolding. Okay. And here at the table as well. But 30 is coming around the mountain when she comes mm-hmm. and, you know, set her return and all that. But that's sort of. Right hitting me in a way of like your 20s are almost gone Mm -hmm. and it's important that you just said that because Mm -hmm. it's how it is for you right not how it is for me Mm -hmm. right because 30 i'm like oh would i like to do that again but i'm not sitting in your shoes so 30 for you is an important event right so so i get it Mm -hmm. well and and 30 hits some people differently oh, yeah. and some and for some people 30 was no big deal but 40 right. really right. really changes the perspective yeah. so it's different it's different for everybody yes. i know i know 30 i was like i'm not in my 20s anymore i, I don't i don't have an excuse anymore mm-hmm. like now mm-hmm. i'm taken seriously mm-hmm. now i'm an adult exactly. right exactly. but 40 was a whole different <laughs> it was a whole different time <laughs> it will take more than prosecco that's just, that's yeah. exactly right gotcha. definitely gotcha. of course then there was the pandemic Right. And oh, we're forced, collective grief. Forced to be isolated. Loss of freedom. Mm-hmm. Loss of freedom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what about symptoms? Because a lot of people are going to say, oh, I'm grieving. I'm going to cry a lot. I'm going to sleep a lot. What are some different symptoms that maybe people don't quite hit with? So there's being incredibly angry and hostile. Mm-hmm. There's that. There's the sleeping, being depressed. You know, um, sometimes we just think we're depressed for whatever reason and don't realize that we're grieving. Mm-hmm. So staying sick, as someone who stays oh, sick yeah. all the time, that's secondary gain. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it, it shows up is not being able to cope. So can, can that, I, oh, sorry, Chandra, go ahead. Could that also be like the, um, in a hypochondriac kind of situation Absolutely. of like talking myself into yes. being sick just for like attention or yes, the, the attention of what that sickness will bring. Avoidance. Avoidance. True. Yes, exactly. So mm-hmm. this is Brenda here. And I know whenever I was living in Sweden and I was really unhappy, I didn't know I was depressed because I'd never used those words before, mm-hmm. but I was sick all the time mm-hmm. and I didn't have any words to put to it. I just knew I couldn't stay there because of, I felt like I was going to die. Right. So I don't know if what was I grieving well, my being, loss of my life I had before. Well, being sick also has it so you don't have to cope with your situation right now. Okay. So if you weren't able to cope with where you were because you hated it, being sick gave you something to, to do. focus on. Yeah, it's like a distraction of mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. wow. Energy yeah, that. and it's an inner expression of how you were feeling. I just had a moment. Good. Cool. Good. Wow. An OMG moment. Exactly. <laughs> that was really profound. Yeah. Actually, that, that is called a stirb, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. You were, oh, yeah. you were actually stirbing. Stirbing, y'all. Stirbing. Stirbing. Is that a yeah. dance? <laughs> <laughs> you could make it so if anyone did. Yeah. <laughs> We've already had a little dance party, y'all. It was quite interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I do remember the stirbs. Um, having gone through Ellie's program, 
And one of the weird things is, I'm just going to touch really quick on kind of how I found Ellie, but I know just like everyone sitting at this table, she is one of the reasons that I was called to come to the triad area and pick up my life and move here. I knew that I needed to be in grief counseling, didn't want to go through that, go visit a psychiatrist, whatever. The thought of having 10 sessions before getting to the heart of it just made me want to retch. I couldn't go there. So I found her card somewhere. It had a little butterfly on it and I stuck it in my wallet. Oh, grief recovery therapy. I could benefit from that. And I ignored that card for several (laughs) months in my wallet, just like I always do. And then one day I'm at this really cool woo-woo shop locally. They have all these business cards stacked on the counter. Someone opens the door and a wind comes in and all these little cards go tossed into the air. One lands on my foot. I pick it up and turn it over. Would you like to guess whose card that was? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Spirit like sending you messages. Yeah, that was Ellie's card. And I think I called the next day and helped me tremendously. For one thing, I no longer fear death. And I know that visiting her and going through her program was part of it have definitely recommended it to other people. And I can't say enough about it. And that's one of the reasons that we wanted her to be here. But back to the points that we're trying to make here, um, talk a little bit about grief and guilt. Well, usually a side, we call it a side symptom effect. Thank you. Thank you. Is guilt. But if you look guilt up in the dictionary, it's, harming someone on purpose right it's actually um it's right here on my paper (laughs) (laughs) it's actually right here on my paper it's intentional harm right it is and if you think about it did you intentionally harm the person probably not and are you intentionally harming yourself probably not so we use the, the incorrect terminology as i feel guilty if you could say, you know, think about it, I feel disappointed that that happened. Mm-hmm. Instead of guilty, it takes the blame away from it. Because it's almost like you killed them. Or you you did this to like make the situation. You're in the blame and the fault. And actually, you're mm-hmm. not. So, so if you change that word to disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Alexandra. I have a question. Um, when people talk about survivor's guilt, like in mm-hmm. an accident, is that actually yes. like survivor's disappointment? Like removing the yes. word guilt would yes. help them. Right. Survivor's Absolutely. grief, actually. Survivor's yeah. grief. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, because they had nothing to do with it. But they take it on as, as if their subconscious takes it on as if it's real. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. And we all know of some story where someone suddenly lost a loved one and beat themselves up because the last thing they said to them may be, was in anger or was not Mm -hmm. loving enough or they neglected to say, I love you on Mm -hmm. the phone. Mm -hmm. So I think that plays a big part of it as well. Mm -hmm. And if they could feel disappointed about that instead of guilty about that, just think of it, just feel the way that feels in your body when you say that. Well, and and to the, the person that you are grieving has already transitioned into spirit that that thing no longer matters to the person. So it's, it's almost like, um, to me in my mind, it's like akin to cutting yourself. It's like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're harming yourself when that person has even more than doesn't really care ab- about that. Like, 
has no perspective on that particular feeling anymore because they're in the spirit realm. So it mm-hmm. it's, right. it's not even in their vernacular right. anymore. Right. And, we, and we, when we experience a loss here, we, we so tend to forget about that aspect of it, of, you know, we, we should really be happy for that person because they've shed all of the crap <laughs> and the emotional stuff that comes mm-hmm. along with being in a human body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But we use it against ourselves. Against ourselves. Exactly. Right. And they're free. So they, they've stopped doing all that. We're the ones beating ourselves up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So be disappointed instead of guilty. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Actually. And, uh, this is Brenda again. But what if that person is still on the earth plane and we are experiencing that same feeling, changing the word from guilt to disappointment Mm -hmm. takes a whole level of energy. Like it goes from being guilt down here to, you know, disappointment can be a little bit of a higher vibration. I think Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to feel that right. Heavy, heavy, deep, the deep separation or or constrictive. Mm I like the way Feeling. you put that, Brenda Sue. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for, girl. Excellent. Yes. Putting things. <laughs> Putting things in their place. Putting things right. <laughs> okay. Good. So next point we're going to hit on. What causes us to grieve? Disappointment. Obviously. Loss. <laughs> that life. Well, Loss causes us it, to grieve. It, it does. And physiology. 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 That yeah. one. She's barely even had any Prosecco. I'm going to explain that. <laughs> 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 so how we react in social settings is pretty hardwired to our nervous system. So the nervous system regulates functions that happen in our body subconsciously, like breathing and how fast our heart beats Mm -hmm. and it does that without us thinking about saying okay breathe okay make your heart beat it just does that automatically all these things happen in our body all the time without even thinking about it so when we feel safe in our social settings like here it's a pretty safe place Mm -hmm. right our muscles are relaxed we're feeling good safe to play safe to have fun right and so what happens is our breathing coincides with that you know we breathe easier Mm -hmm. and our heart beats better so but when something happens, a trauma, like if, if somebody came in and like threw this book down, everybody would just automatically jolt, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever there's an accident or something, a trauma, and it doesn't have us feel safe in that mm-hmm. moment because it's jarring. So automatically, our nervous system goes back in that second to not feeling safe. It could be something like an accident, something like somebody bumping into our shopping cart in the store. It can be that benign. But once we encounter this disruption, this threat or trauma, our sympathetic nervous system engages in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you've heard about this. Our heart beats you know, faster, breathing speeds up. Adrenaline. And adrenaline, yeah. yeah. And because our mind doesn't know the difference between reality or fantasy, all it does is react. Right. It just reacts without any judgment at all. And it can be an action that comes towards us like a car or a thought, just a thought that puts us on edge. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Especially with online things we view. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's a perfect example mm-hmm. of the things that that we see online and perceive the minute 
it's in our perception, we're already reacting to it without even knowing that we're reacting to it. Well, and I've even read studies of, it's almost like your, your, um, what is it? Autonomic nervous system can react to a perceived threat like microseconds before, before your body even yep. perceives yep. That, mm-hmm. it, that there is a threat. So it's like your nervous system is kind of has a preconception of the fact that this it's on guard. Yes. That this, mm-hmm. this threat or thing is going to occur. It's saving which you I from found, death. Yeah. Which I found pretty right. interesting. Exactly. Which isn't real. It's, I mean, I mean, exactly. it's real, perceived. but you know, yeah. right. Perceived death. So once a threat becomes too much to bear, our dorsal vega leads us to shut down in immobility. Like yeah. that's the, that's the response is to shut down, back away. You know, it's like a potassium. Uh, potassium. <laughs> it's not even potassium. I went to high school with her. <laughs> it's like a, a possum. It's like a possum <laughs> pretending to be dead to avoid an invader. It, yeah, works, it yeah. works like that. Mm-hmm. Instantly it shuts down. Or the, or the fainting ghost. The ghosts, yeah, the ghosts. ghosts. <laughs> wow, I've had two sips. Really, just cut me cut up. We're a shady crowd, and you know yes. this. So, okay, then it's the end of the week. Yeah. Exactly. So it, so our heart rate drops, mm-hmm. and then we're pretty much unable to express emotions. You know, it kind of looked like what I just did. <laughs> so we, we stutter, and and we can't Are express you our thoughts. I have to ask you a question, Ellen. Uh-huh. Are you having a trauma here? Yeah, I'm traumatized in this moment. Can you tell? And I'm being a perfect example. We gave her a beverage. <laughs> we did what we could. Yeah. And bingo, we go into grief. <laughs> Don't grieve about this session. No. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because when you were just discussing a minute ago about, you know, that automatic where we feel something and it takes over our body and our mind is there. The flip side of that coin might be something like manifestation. Mm -hmm. If you want that Corvette really bad, you smell the leather, you touch the wheel, you Mm -hmm. imagine yourself going vroom and your body doesn't know that you're sitting in your old Volkswagen. Camille, Camille, excuse me. This is Brenda. Are you an old white man? <laughs> Is this your midlife crisis girl? I have wanted a Corvette since 1976 mm-hmm. when I saw it out the school bus window. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes, Brenda. <laughs> and she's not grieving, not having one. She's disappointed. And there's yes. a difference. There's a difference. Exactly. exactly. And she's going to manifest Absolutely. that Corvette. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a really good metaphor. So to finish that sentence, grief triggers our nervous system because it goes into the subconscious mode of not feeling safe. So our mind gets hijacked in a way. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So that's why it's important to actually go through the grieving stage and to reset the system, so to speak, which is what you did and you did. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something you can go around. You have to go through it. We've said that on on several episodes before. Is is like the you, you can't bypass the emotions. The only way through it, the only way around it, is through it. You have to you have to feel it and process it, and then and then move Absolutely. move to move forward from it. So. Mm-hmm. And you have to talk about it. Yeah. And somebody has to hear you. Mm-hmm. You've got 100%. to be heard. You've got to be heard. <clears throat> so can I interject yes, here? Please do. This is Brenda again, because I got a lot to say. Do it, girl. <laughs> 
So I did this with Ellie and I was really surprised for the person that came up for me that I needed to work on my grief recovery with. And it was really hard. I mean, it was really good work, but it was really hard for me to have that realization. And I'm feeling emotional talking about it right now Mm -hmm. that the person that was the had affected me the most was somebody that I really loved it and admired a lot of things about that person. So during that process, I actually, this has been, how long has it been since we did our work? Was it in the spring, early spring this year? It's less than a year. Yeah. Oh yes. So that I will say for myself, that relationship has shifted and I have been able to be more open in conversation Mm. with, Mm. with that person. And they have been very receptive to what I had to say, which is totally against like their belief system but being receptive to who I am, I've been able to have those real conversations, Mm. which has been really healing for me that they would listen to me where before it was like, don't ask, you know, because I said, you feel like that shift happened because of the way you've you've processed and what you're bringing to that conversation. Right. And also I saw that relationship for what it was not for this exalted position that Mm -hmm. I had put that person in, but what it actually was in reality. And there's still a lot of, a lot of love. Mm -hmm. There was always a lot of love, but you know, we're all affected in different ways by our relationships. Well, then that goes back to the disappointment because if you're not expecting this exalted, right. Situation that's Mm -hmm. never going to be reality, then you don't stay in a perpetual state of disappointment, right? That, that every interaction doesn't, quote unquote, live up to that perception that you had. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's changed her whole perception, though, of, see, she had an identity of X, and this person was Y. And by the time she did the work, she shifted that they were both X's, Mm -hmm. or, or both Y's, right? Right. So they, she put herself back in a, a, a synced up position. Yeah, because you see, you know, and her response, think, her responsibility for it too. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's to a see, big one. Yeah. To see that person yeah. and where they are and why they are where they are mm-hmm. and be right. able to have compassion for, for where they are because of their life experiences. So just because of that one relationship that we worked on, because we just worked on one, mm-hmm. oh, I got a lot more to work on. But it gives me compassion for everybody else around me yes. because I can see, okay, well, maybe they were coming from that place. Right. Maybe they had this experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they responded in that way. But I don't have to respond to that. I can respond from a different place of compassion. Right. Hi, this is Chandra. Brenda and I would like to invite you as part of our podcast community to join us on either Facebook or Instagram live each Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern U.S. time, where we give free Oracle readings for fans of the show. Just follow us on our OMG podcast, Facebook or Instagram page. You can post or DM us your questions there each week with the hashtag woo woo wisdom and then tune in at 11 a.m. each Friday on our page to watch your free reading. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can always catch it on the replay. This is just our way of saying thank you for being part of our woo-woo family. Hope to see you this Friday. 
So Ellie, I have a quick mm-hmm. question, another question for you. How often, and I guess how long do people kind of stand in their own way? Even if they say, yes, I want to work with you. I want to go through grief recovery. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a rough average of time where they're kind of getting in their own way of their progression through it? You know, kind of like, oh, I want to work on it, but I don't really want to work on it. Well, it's that a, common. It's a seven week program mm-hmm. and every week there's work to do. So they're working on it week by week. Oh. <laughs> it's not like sitting there for five no. sessions going, I don't really no. want to talk yet. No, that doesn't happen. Yeah, you yeah. can throw the book across the room and scream, yeah. but you yeah. still have to work you on it. You still got to do the right. homework. Yeah. Or you can decide not to work on it, but you paid all that money and then yeah. you're not going to work on it. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you. you're still going to pay me. So, yeah, exactly. Ellie going to get paid. I'm going to get paid. And and you willingly came in there. I didn't force right. anybody. I'm not twisting anybody's arm. Never do that. You know, there's no judgment. There's no right or wrong. Look, this is what happened. And we gained an identity over it. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. it's like if I say this person's a jerk, I can't treat them like anything but a jerk because that's how I see them. But if I can go through this process and say, oh my gosh, all this time I've been calling this guy a jerk, you know, I'm responsible for that. Mm-hmm. I'm the right. one that put that in place. So I can apologize that go, wow, I'm really so I've been calling you a jerk in my head, you know, for 15 years. And I, and I apologize for that. That just, you know, that everything falls after that. So, you know, you can like, here's jerk and you can apologize. And now you have the freedom to put something else in there that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once we see that we like right now, we don't see that we're doing it. Right. But once we do see it, then it's kind of like, oh, right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I've been doing well, that. Once you can relabel that as like, oh, that's a wounded person or that's a, yeah. it, then, right. then, yeah. then it brings the compassion. Yeah. And, and it's us too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There isn't anybody. In this world, it's not wounded in some way. Exactly. Preach. Yeah. So Unless you just came out of the womb. Yes. Right. Okay. But and you're wounded. That was Aaron, by the way. I, I can't <laughs> no. Credit where credit is no. Thank you. I can't touch that one. Well, I, I have to say that one of the unique little hallmarks about going through this program is the reciprocity. And I hope I'm saying that right. It's not just you going blah, blah, blah about your own stuff. Ellie comes back at you and kind of guides you through her own experience as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were times when I'm like, oh my gosh, give me a Kleenex because, you know, I'm, I'm crying for you too. But it helps so much to bring everything full circle. And that's something I found so unique about the grief recovery program that you probably wouldn't get sitting with a therapist for 20 sessions before you really get to the core of everything. 100% come out. Yeah, 100%. Which is, sorry, that's wonderful because I have gone to several different talk therapists before and I had a really, really good one and um, he ended up resigning and is no longer, you know, a therapist. But when I would kind of, you know, speed date other therapists, that was something that I told them that was really important to me was to kind of share anecdotes from their own life. Like you don't have to get super personal with me, but just, you know, be able to empathize in it. I don't know. There's just, for me personally, be there's that human. connection. Be a human. <laughs> right. It's not just being like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the folks that I went to, that wasn't really the case. And so it, it just never ended up clicking. So I think that that's a really a testament mm-hmm. to you as well, a person, but well, also the work grief, you do. Well, it's set up that way. Thank you. I appreciate it. But yeah. it is set up that way. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Grief has to be shared. 
You cannot grieve by yourself and have results. That's why we spin in our head and never get anywhere because mm-hmm. we're in not in a good neighborhood that gives us answers. Right. So you have to do your loss and grief with another person. You have to have the communication between. I just can't sit there and listen to you. You know, so I do the homework first and then you do the homework after that. And it does give people the space to go, wow, she's human too. Exactly. You know? And that look at the crap that's happened to her, you know, and she's mm-hmm. still alive and kicking, right? Yeah. Not yeah. sitting there judging me yeah. or yes, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the reciprocity well, without it, a doubt. It kind of gives them gives them permission. Permission. Yes. To, Absolutely. To feel to the feelings up. and that because because sometimes when we when we get into that that cycle, we get in our own minds and feel like, you know, I have to be the only one. Like normal people wouldn't feel this way or normal people wouldn't wouldn't look at this situation the way the way it's affecting me but to, to watch someone else go through the exact same thing yeah it gives it creates a lot of permission and also I can't tell her that or you know this is like I can't tell her that or yes you can mm-hmm. and that's where you heal is because yes. you actually put it out there and then do the work around it. Right. If this group had a dollar for every time they said, you're going to think I'm crazy when I say this. And you realize, um, yeah, no, you're not going to think I'm crazy. Mama could retire early. Mm. Someplace nice. Really nice. <laughs> okay. So next question is, what are some pieces of misinformation about dealing with loss? Okay. The first thing people will say to you, oh, don't feel bad. That happens to everybody. Well, it makes me want to throw up because (laughs) how can you not feel bad when you're sad, right? It's like me telling you a joke. Now, don't you laugh. Right. Don't you laugh. Uh, Don't you dare laugh because I'm telling you a joke. Well, and the first thing that sends somebody into resistance is is telling them how they should feel about something. Yes. Oh, yes. We get into that, girl. Yeah. 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 And that's that's the quickest way to put someone in resistance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't feel bad. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, The second one is replace the loss. So that's misinformation in that, you know, my personal example is I had a book. We'll pretend this is the book that my grandmother used to read me all the time. And somewhere in one of my moves, it it got lost. And, you know, then somebody said, oh, just go buy another book. And it was like, it has nothing to do with the book. It's got my grandma's juju all over it, you know, and the way she used to read it to me. And I used to hold it, you know. So don't tell me to go buy another book. Right. You can't replace the loss. Now, you can get another dog, but it will never replace the dog you just right. had. No, even a bicycle. You know, you can get another bicycle, but it will never be the one that you had before. Mm-hmm. Right. So when people tell you, oh, just go get another fill in the blank, you know, you have my permission to give them a dirty look. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> the next one is grieve alone. Um, I remember another thing I can tell you is that my grandmother died and my father and I were sitting in the first pew in the church. And and I started, I mean, I started crying because my grandmother, I loved her. And my father goes, don't you, don't you sit here and cry. And I went, what, you know, snot running down my nose. Right. Like, how do I not cry? And he said, you go home and get in the closet and close the door and then you, you can cry, cry in there. And that doesn't work. You've got to be loved and held and supported and talk to people and have people get you. That's what this is about. People get you. Well, and and that's um, another thing that 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 I have found. Like um, even through even through meditation mm-hmm. and things, is when something affects you and you don't deal with it in that moment, 
and then you go back and try to get back into that place to deal with it later, you can never really get back that that particular feeling or that particular reaction. And so when you don't deal with it, you're not allowed or you're not allowed to deal with it in the moment. Your body's going to store that because you're 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 never going to be able in your mind to get right back to that right to that exact place and that mm-hmm. exact feeling, that exact emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a different time. It's gone. Right. You know that now moment is no longer now. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to process some of these small disappointment, grief moments in the moments that they happen, or do we need time to process them in a a longer span of time, like say I want to go away to the Bahamas next month because mm-hmm. I do, and you know <laughs> she said she got paid, y'all. Nobody's surprised, <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't happen. And uh-huh. say that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. How do I process that in the moment to release that disappointment that could turn into a grief that I could I can't do what I want to do. Right. I mean, that's something very sure. simple sure. and small. Mm-hmm. Well, I think once you do this process, I think you you kind of feel the way it feels to let things go, right? And you then start to practice of mm-hmm. letting things go, and you get quicker and quicker and quicker. And if you can't, then write write the letter. Okay. I mean, if you can't, then do the long process. Call me because you want to call anybody who's done the program because you want to say it out loud and, and quickly process it and it can be gone. So in summary, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say <laughs> it's really good to do this program at least one time to work on a, on one thing. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to keep, you know, maybe you need someone to help you like coming several times if you have Mm -hmm. several really heavy things. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least that one time, so you get the tools in your toolbox Mm -hmm. to figure out how to process the grief process. Right. Right. And how vast that process is. I mean, it's not just, I think people think death. Always they think death. Oh, yeah. But how to process the little grief. Right. The small griefs. Right. Well, most people do their mother and their father because that's where they've learned. That's where we learn all our habits from. And then majorly, you know, you can do your husband, but we usually suggest mother, father, because that's where it mostly comes from. Mm-hmm. You you get also that how important things are. Mm-hmm. You know, a- after you do this for a while, it's kind of like you can let things go faster because you're, you've you've been exercising your muscle right. and, and you know how quick and go. I mean, sometimes it takes longer to process what you want to, but for the most part, okay, so I can't go to the Bahamas. Got it. You know, and you can move faster, Mm -hmm. but you know, and then also we'll show you how long do you have to waller in it and suffer. Right. Yeah. It might be showing you that. Yes. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do this one in 10 minutes or pick a week or, you know, and then I'm going to move on. You'll, you'll learn to do that because this is really a really muscle it is. It's powerful. Yeah. Very much. 100%. Well, and I have a question too sure. for you, Ellie. This is April. So for folks at home listening who may not live, you know, in this mm-hmm. area or in this state, do you, is it like a program that has to be in person or is, do you do like Zoom or online kind of calls with them so that they can kind of talk it. through <laughs> what they're going through and kind of work through their grief with your program, so but from a distance? Something that can be done virtually right. instead of 
Thank you for asking that. <laughs> yes, I've actually been certified to do it on Zoom virtually. Very cool. That's how I did so, mine. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, because it was during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So. so I can do really anywhere in the world as long as you speak English, because that's all I speak. We can do it over Zoom. And it's it's HIPAA, you know, mm-hmm. and it's all that stuff. And it's it's secure and it's safe. And I can't record it, which is okay. But we can, but we can definitely do the sessions. I guess the person yeah. could record it themselves if they wanted to have that feedback. Well, for um, I've signed papers not for any recordings to be out there because okay. it's HIPAA. It's against HIPAA, so okay. I have to be careful. Gotcha. But I mean, you can't record it live in my office either. So right. right, that makes it's, sense. It's, it's the yeah. same. Yeah. And my mother actually went through this program yeah. virtually. And she did it both ways. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. She started out yeah. by visiting here for a few sessions and completed it virtually. And I was so against the virtual thing. I was like, my mother cannot do technology, y'all. This is not going to happen. And it worked out very well. Mm-hmm. And she and Ellie are friends to this day. Yes. So Aww. love her, love her. Yeah. Me it too. was a good yeah. thing. Next question that we have for you, what are some things, I love this part, what are some things you should not say to someone who is grieving over losing a loved one? Preach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because grief is emotional and not intellectual, there are very many well-meaning comments to appeal to the intellect, but dangerous. So the first one, no, 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 no. Don't tell people you know how they feel. Don't do it. Don't do it. Mm. No, I get goosebumps saying that because, uh oh, (laughs) somebody just tell you that it's you don't know how you feel unless I crawl inside of your head and go into your brain and start, you know, manipulating synapses and all that. I right. absolutely do not know how you feel. It's not a magic school bus moment. She's not just <laughs> Y'all oh, no, know. she's not. not shrinking that bus and going into she's your friends. head. <laughs> yeah. friends. No, right. it could be that your father died and my father died. We can right. share that experience. I have no idea how it sits for you. You know, I know it sucks for you because right. it sucks for me. And you know what? It still may not suck for them. I'm just even assuming that, that it sucked for them. It may right. not. Somebody be going, yay, you know. So we don't know how it is for them. And we can't even pretend to think that we know how it is for them. Right. So we have to let people have their own experience. So one of the things I say in cards when I send somebody a sympathy card is I never, ever, ever write. You know, I can't imagine how you feel. Or I do. I say I can't imagine how you feel. I This is just, I've had a friend lose four, five of her relatives, two of, two of them were her children. Yeah. Oh, and after yeah. a while, it's like, I don't want to send you another sympathy card. I right. mean, you, you just have to be as honest as you can. And I just can't even begin to put into words how this can be for you. And there are so many things that you should just never say. And the one that stands out for me is, can you imagine having lost an infant child and someone walks up to you and says, Mm -hmm. you and your wife should be grateful that you can have other children or you have other children. Speak to that because I've heard it. Oh, it gives me goosebumps. And uh, you have my permission to uh, punch them. (laughs) It's, It's just so insensitive that. You know, people come from their intellect instead of their heart. And if they would have thought from that from the heart, they Mm -hmm. just never would have uttered that, those words. And they mean well. That's the crazy thing. And they mean well. They do mean well. Well, and to think of what if if someone had said that about 
what if you had been that child and someone had told your parents, well, don't yeah. grieve that person because you have another, you have another child. I mean, like they're interchangeable. Yeah. yeah. Do I mean, you have something me. that you would recommend to people to say to somebody who's grieving, even if you yourself, whoever's saying it doesn't really know how to respond. What is a good response to somebody or to help them meet them with compassion? A lot of times it's just, I'm sorry, go to reach. And if they want you to take their hand, they'll give it to you. If they don't, then just stand there and listen, mostly just listen. That's, they just, they just, they're so raw. They just need to mutter something. Just listen. And I'm sorry. It's about, about the most you can say. I can't imagine how this is for you. I'm I'm so sorry. Just the offer of being present yes. for for them in that moment. Perfect. Here if you need me. Yes. Yes. Or even like something that I heard one time in a TED talk kind of about grief and empathy was, you know, I don't even know what to say right now, yeah. but I'm so glad that you shared that with me and just know that I'm perfect. here for you. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's nice. I thought it was really helpful. Yes, very perfect. And I don't know about other people, but sometimes in moments of in other people's grief or my own grief, I think of all the things I shouldn't say. And then I get stuck on, well, what do I say? Yeah. So this mm-hmm. is really helpful to, you know, have some things in my, you know, back pocket in those moments. It's like, okay, I can know some things to pull upon and say it with feeling and compassion versus right. the don't say that, don't say that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and therefore looking like you don't care because you don't know what to what say. To say yeah. Right. The only thing I'll add on to that, and this may seem counterproductive, is that if people are crying, unless snot is running down their nose, do not hand them a Kleenex. Oh, yeah. Because it sends the signal to stop crying. Mm -hmm. And what a person needs to do in that moment is cry. So if you just, yeah, Yeah. just um, hold them if they want to be held. Because sometimes when you touch them too, they will also stop crying. Mm -hmm. And you really do want them to cry. I just thought of it as like the socialized version of your dad jabbing you in the ribs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Not right exactly. now. Not right now. Yeah. Stop. Like stop. Yeah. Stop that's, crying. That's making me uncomfortable here. That's yeah. exactly. Yes. That's exactly it. Because it makes them wow. feel uncomfortable. They will want you to stop. It's perfect. Well, I'll say I was at the funeral home this week. My uncle passed away, unfortunately. And he was really kind, good-hearted man. So shout out to JD Von Cannon. Oh, he was a really good man. To JD. To Cheers JD. to JD. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And this woman was there. I don't know who she was, but I don't know why people say this. I know she meant well, but she came up to me and she said, He looks so good, Detney. And I was like, In the casket. I was like, Girl, he looked dead. <laughs> I mean, why do people say that? It's so weird. It's it's so they, weird. Were taught. they were taught. Yeah. Bingo. Yes. That's what they've always heard mm-hmm. someone say about. I think one thing that you taught me as well is when you go to hug someone, you're mm. not supposed to pat them on the back because that's like, a, okay, enough of this. Get off of me. And that is such an ingrained habit. Yes. You think you're patting them like a baby, but really burping. you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. I always say, stop burping me. I catch myself. <laughs> I yes. say that all the time. Stop burping. I catch myself. So thank you for that. <laughs> Embrace somebody. Embrace them. Hold them. Yeah, yes. that Hold comes them. from our own need to feel to do something. So to that happening is yes. versus just meeting with it, just stillness. Yeah, in that space and probably our that own space. discomfort. Yeah, of yeah. like I don't know how to respond mm-hmm. to this. So I'm gonna like mm-hmm. you know. Ah. This is better. <laughs> we do it a little kids. Yeah, 
Well, and, and two, that's what we do to ourselves to soothe. Like oh. when you, when you have, when you get the anxious, the first thing you do is, mm-hmm. is like pat your own chest mm-hmm. or wring your own hands. Or it's, it's, it, to, to me, it's almost more like a self-soothing mm-hmm. action than it is a action of soothing the other person. But that's okay. just, maybe that's just, maybe that's just my own craziness. But I like no, it. It's not crazy. You're, I gladly share my crazy. You you're you're allowed to be Thank unique. <laughs> I think that's valid. Yeah, very, very. Resonate with me. Mm-hmm. So earlier we mentioned stirbing. Get into that a little bit. Okay. So stirbs are short-term energy-releasing behaviors. Y'all got that? Short-term energy-releasing behaviors. Stirbs. Okay. And what a stirb is, is when... Anything you use to avoid and escape what you're feeling. Okay. Put so, down my Prosecco. <laughs> yes, that that's, takes, could be, that could be one. So a few of them are, uh, well, it's not that one. Watching TV. A few of them are eating. TV. Eating. Yes. Binge watching TV. Yeah. Eating. Smoking. Drinking. Drugs. TV. Reading. Shopping. Video games. You're going to run out of fingers soon. Sex. Work, anger, staying busy, texting, cleaning, driving, sleeping, exercise, talking on the phone, needlework, computer, Facebook, and all this leads to isolation. Now, this doesn't mean if you do that, you're disturbing. It means if if you're obsessive with it. Right. Like if you spend the whole weekend sitting in a chair, binge watching TV, not doing anything else, completely texting and on your video games, you just want to notice, hmm, is there something I'm avoiding? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's all it's for. It's just to notice, hmm, what is it that I'm not that I don't want to face or get in touch with? I'm glad you said that because I was about to vow to stop exercising. So, <laughs> so thank you for putting it in context. <laughs> yes. this New Year's resolution. So. <laughs> we, yeah. we would need to be doing that obsessively. And yes. believe me, Camille, you and I both, we're not, there's no, there's no danger. I want to clink on that. All right. <laughs> anything in moderation is perfect. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there's behaviors if you decide to say, hey, I'm going to set aside a weekend to... I don't know, have a movie marathon and mm-hmm. this is what I've set up to do. Mm-hmm. That's not disturbing, but it's that's, like, that's choosing. That's choosing like, to have a good time, man. I'm really uncomfortable with the conversation and I just kind of want to go on my phone or, you know, mm-hmm. check Facebook or yep. my Instagram feed or something. You know, that's a stir. That's, oh, that's a interesting. Yes. Now it's something it's, you know, yeah. I'm aware of it. I will pay attention to Yes, And that's all it's for is just to be aware of it. And people do it with food and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you said that, one of the first things that I thought about was like ordering coffee at a coffee shop or Starbucks or somewhere and just pe- folks waiting for their order and immediately on their phone. disturbing, like on their phone, like, let me scroll through my email, let me go. And I have been trying within the past few months to be more mindful of that and just sitting in, or standing or whatever in the moment and just kind of observing my surroundings instead of getting lost in my Instagram feed or whatever. But I've never thought about that as like potentially disturbing mm-hmm. before if you're with that discomfort of and not knowing what to do. That's such an interesting thing because that brings up for me, it's like 
have we now socialized people to stir, like to, yes. I yes. don't know yes. how to be still in a public yes. space well, that yes. I just have to do something. <laughs> I'm just going to say preach sister. Yes. Cause I think yeah. we are becoming that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be necessarily grief, but just the, the avoidance Boy. of the uncomfortable human go. connection. Yeah. Really? Yes. yes. Well, people don't because, want to look at each other or talk to each other well, because, in because line. that can be uncomfortable to stand yes. there with the people that you don't know mm-hmm. and try to, mm-hmm. I mean, and try to make a connection because mm-hmm. you don't know these people. And right. There's always the fear of the rejection of, you know, hi, how are you doing? And then giving you the up and down and going, who are you to be talking to me? That fear, that fear of rejection. So it's just, it's a, it's a um, avoidance mechanism and 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 that's what you're talking about here is is this is to avoid dealing with the grief so it doesn't necessarily have to be grief that is the emotion but it's just the avoidance mechanism right so rosalie here so i think uh covid made this worse oh yes because we're driven into isolation and now that we're going back into public areas Mm -hmm. you know we just have lost the how to be in public how to interact? How with to interact other. with people? We've lost Almost, that because it's always been uncomfortable. But now yes. we're out of the practice of exactly. putting ourselves into the it's been what a year and a half. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And think about somebody who was already in isolation. Correct. Who was already grieving, and then they walk in to get their coffee, and they, the, you know, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And they've been in. They were like me, and they're like, "Hey, COVID." <laughs> yeah. so, no letters please i'm sorry that was a, she it was a joke isolation isolation Y'all. yes that was just an infj reaction <laughs> and i felt it in my soul but you know just to wrap this up thank you so much ellie for being with us and shedding the light on all of this and thank you for coming into my life and teaching me so much and just to sign off would you like to just tell people how they can reach out to you if they'd like to work on some of this heavy stuff that needs working on. Okay. My company name is Mastery Works Incorporated and I'm at masteryworks at aol.com and my phone number is 336-362-4170. Do it. You won't regret it. And we'll also have her information in the show notes. Absolutely. So that you can contact her because I am telling you, from experiencing this and Rosalie has also had some experience with working on some, some things, not with particularly with this method, but with other things with hypnotherapy. And it has been uh, profound for me personally. Mm-hmm. Life changing. And that's what this podcast yes. is all about in a myriad of ways. So consider this you standing at the checkout line at your local woo-woo shop and the door opening, the breeze blowing and the business card falling on your foot. Thanks so much for being with us again this week. Goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. See you next time. Thank you for joining us today. Please follow and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. It's so easy to do and such a huge help for us. We appreciate your interactions so much. Want to join us at our table? Make sure to check out our YouTube channel and join our Facebook community. If you've enjoyed this content and wish to support us, take a look at our Patreon page. All information and links will be in our podcast description. Catch you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.